Yeah, your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters, yo. Your mental matters ain't a simple pattern. We need to have a central chatter. Food for thought, grab a platter. My mental ain't for rental. I'm a central man, it's simple. I'm a ripple in the rip though. I don't wanna sick my ship, so gotta know your mental. Black life is hard, I don't resent though. Feelings really real, we should present those. Talk about it, you should know your mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters, yeah. What up, though? <laughs> <laughs> boo, everybody, boo, boo. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mental Matters Podcast, all about black men, jerk chicken, mental health, and all things of the culture. Um, I am Richard here with my favorite co-host in the whole world because um, I leave him no option. Jarrell, what's popping, bro? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back once again. I'm keep saying that. Richard hasn't got rid of me yet, so oh, I'm doing well. <laughs> I am not the gatekeeper to this podcast. Let's make that 130% clear. <laughs> I'm trying to clean no, my I've been having, I've been having a good time there. since, you know, the last time we recorded. It has been a minute. <laughs> the, Pistons, the Pistons got the number one pick, so that's been good. I hope that matters in the long run. I don't think that matters in the long run. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I've been a trader for 40 years and I'm, I'm still waiting on the. I've been, been waiting. <laughs> Listen, I can only recall once in my lifetime a period of time where the Pistons were like the Eastern Conference. And that was all in like my teenage years. So um, I'm 32 now because I had a whole birthday a couple mm-hmm. days ago. And I've still not seen the Detroit Pistons do anything besides Jeremy Grant making the Olympic team. Shout out to him, but mm-hmm. we're going to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Right direction. Team, team USA is cut. So, um, <laughs> I am glad to have you all here. Um, this is another episode. This is episode 69. Of mental matters, I think it is sixty-nine. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Cancer season—that's that's where we leave it at. Uh, <laughs> so we are here with another episode of this podcast. We are here to have a real discussion, and we tend to do that a lot. But um, one of the things that we fit, I think we need to do a better job of is making sure that we speak to all of our black men, men male community. And so I wanted to make sure we had that discussion. Um, but before we get into that, I need to do a pulse check to just check the vibe in the room. So Jarrell, man, how you feeling, man? Like, what's been going on with you lately? Uh, I was feeling good. Did a little bit of travel for my wife's birthday and uh, ended up in Atlanta. So that was fun again. Did some celebrations with uh, my friend who owns his business in Atlanta now. The shoe doc moved from Detroit to Atlanta, so that was cool. Celebrate with him. Um, other than that, my wife had a birthday. You had a birthday. It's just been a uh, a lot of celebrating coming out of uh, coming out of June into July. So, oh, truly, yeah. cancer season. Yeah, my birthday is still being <laughs> celebrated. Apparently, um, so that's a thing. Uh, 
Shout out to the cancer. Shout out to the July kids. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. And fight me if you think otherwise. Um, I literally am. Y'all can be crazy sometimes too. What? You talking mess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got short tempers, but that's some that's that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I was like, "What happened? Are we losing?" Looking at, looking at my Wi-Fi connection. Look, like, look, look, I'm in. Uh, sometimes I'm in the middle of a, a, a client is literally in the middle of tears, and it'll freeze, and I'll be like, "Ugh." So it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> raggedy, raggedy. <laughs> see you know just the world don't want me to be great man it's cool it's alright well like I said it's a normal my kids are amazing <laughs> we're the best on the planet I'm supposed to think that so fight me <laughs> with that being said uh, had an amazing birthday thus far um, I literally was out last night until like 1 o'clock this morning with my sister, with my uncle, and they made a whole spread of like barbecued jerk chicken and steak and macaroni and cheese and grilled veggies. And I even had a cigar for the second time in my life. So last night I was just living and I went to work today like mm-hmm. I cannot sit at my desk today. Like I need to go outside in the field. I, I need, if I don't, it's a wrap. <laughs> I'm going to be knocked out at this desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the moment of opportunity presented itself and uh, let's just say I definitely had to do that. So I am on fumes. I have my water. I'm staying moisturized. Mm-hmm. And I am still working out three times a week and still losing weight. So I'm good. My mental's my mental's good right now, man. I'm good. Checking in. I'm present. Right. So with that being said, it is time to introduce our guest of this evening. And I could give some long spill about bio and intro and all that jazz, but this ain't that type of party, so fight me. Chris, let the people know who you are and how dope and black that you are according to your t-shirt, okay? <laughs> I'm a dope black therapist in Metro Detroit. Um, I'm a clinical social worker, psychotherapist who uh, 
I specialize in doing and working with the LGBTQI plus community, uh, particularly queer and trans people of color um, and youth. Um, I have um, special considerations to make myself available and accessible to that community and the mental health needs of the community. So that's my primarily the community I work with work in. And also, I also work in specific, uh, deal with men's issues, um, men who've been victims of SA. And um, I do work with that also. Well, Chris, I wanna thank you again for your time because I know you are book busy and black and blessed. So um, we appreciate you kicking it with, uh, with us thank on our platform. Absolutely, we'd love to see it. And, um, you know, I did some research in terms of, you know, great black therapists in the area and, you know, ones that can really identify with, you know, other parts of our community that I may not be able to reach just being a, um, a cisgender heterosexual male. So um, I am glad that you're able to join us so we can have this most important discussion. Um, while we would like to have it during June, during what um, the world knows as Pride Month. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Black History is 365. Pride shouldn't just be a sticker you put up there in the month of June and the profile that you put in the month of June. And, um, you know, all that matters all, all year round. So let's have that discussion in July, August, September, Christmas. Right. When you bring your spouse to that family cookout and everybody looking at you funny. <laughs> Cause it's right. not the girl you thought it was. It's like, nah, this this is bae. What's popping? Right. right. <laughs> so first, you know, we, we want to make sure we're talking to real people, and you know, I, I think that we we do this pulse check with everybody. So I'm gonna do it with you, sir. Um, first and foremost, because I'm educating myself on how to address people. Um, okay. Do you have any pronouns that you go by before we go mm -hmm. further in this discussion? Okay, I use he, they, and she pronouns. So I am what may be considered gender apathetic. I have no, I don't care what pronouns are used. They are pronouns. I don't really subscribe to the binary myself. However, I do realize that I have lived much of my life as someone who is outwardly cisgender male. And so I realize the privilege that I do hold within the, my, how I am outwardly living and how people perceive me. But as my personal gender identity for myself is I don't subscribe to any pronouns. I just, I just don't. So he, she, or they, doesn't matter. Got you. So I just want to make sure I put respect on it because I don't want to just be like, what's up, man? You were like, no, mother sucker. I'm like, oh, oh, shit. No, I don't know. I know. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's definitely okay for me. Cool. So I'm glad we had that part of our discussion. Oh, so hold on. What are you? What are you? What are your pronouns? He and him. Okay. That's all I know, and I am growing to learn of the other ones, as you can tell. So, um, you know, if you asked me this ten years ago, we, I was probably toxic as hell, and you know, just being real. I mean, I think we can honestly say, like, well, I can honestly say that ten years ago. I think somebody, I forgot who exactly who it was, but somebody else in my circle, they had made mention about, no, you're going to, I go by that. It's in the third. I was just sitting like, that? I don't get it. I really don't understand. And 
instead of challenging them going back and forth, I just, I, I treated it like white people treat black, like race in general. I just kind of avoided it and say, oh, it's not, that's not my reality. And chose not to deal with it because I live in a point of privilege where I don't have to hide myself as much because I am secure and confident in myself as a black man in today's climate at the time. Um, however, when I, I had a discussion with a good friend of mine um, and he, we were just off the cuff talking and <laughs> one of the things we, we got to is that the same way that black people want white people to advocate, advocate and fight entrances for us behind closed doors when we're not there, it's the same type of energy that our LGBTQIA community needs out of us as Black people in general. And that's across all different races, but I mean, we, for this space, we care mostly about the Black ones. Um, and so that hit me. It was just like, wow, if you think about it that way, okay, I don't mind, you know what I'm saying? Because I would want that same energy, like if I was a Black kid, and, you know, I have, you know, my non-Black friends, you know, well, yeah, you see Richie's very, very, yeah, it's really just, whoa, it's hair, it's that. It's just like, so what did you say? <laughs> How did you respond when I got called right. the kid with the hair? So like, <laughs> you know, this, I keep that same energy. And one of the things I would say is that, um, you know, it has a lot to do with, a wife who was very, very, she's always pushing the narrative. I was just like, you know what? Okay. okay. I, I see now I see the point. Like I don't just because I don't participate doesn't mean I can't advocate. So there's that part. Um, <laughs> but before we get to any more, because I am long-winded as hell. Chris, we want to know okay. from you. Why does your mental matter to you? <laughs> That's a long one, right? Um, why does my mental matter to me? Um, it matters because if it doesn't matter, if, if my mental doesn't matter, then I can't show up and be present for everybody else, right? And so, <laughs> and I say that to say is that, you know, um, in order to navigate within a social cultural context of being black and queer identified in this world, with all the barriers that happen because of these intersections, the, the constant erasure and violence, discrimination, homophobia, transphobia that is experienced. And I have to make sure that my mental matters first. Fair. I agree with that. In fact, I empathize with that because when I think of my family, when I think of my friends, I think of my loved ones, one of the things I've learned in my 30s is that I cannot, I can't go to a family function if I'm having a messed up day. Like I need to be mentally prepared. And it's not to knock my family. I mean, we all got those family members, mm -hmm. but this is not to knock my family. This is more so just a thing. Like if I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. And it is okay to be like, you know what? I'm not coming over. It's not happening. I love you, but I'm not where I wanted to be right now in my in my energy that I can't take on yours. I just can't. And I still struggle with that part because 
we're human. We're used to trying to be around people and the whole interaction crap, especially coming out of COVID, but, you know, or so-called coming out of COVID, that part. Um, but yes, you, you have to do that self-check-in first. You got to make sure you're good before you participate in other spaces. So yes, I think we can press on and have this discussion. Uh, so with that being said, um, I have a list of prepared questions, but again, I'm off the cuff, so fight me. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> so I, I guess the first question is, how did you get into therapy? Like, what was it that you experienced therapy first or you just always wanted to help people? Well, I experienced therapy first. Um, and I experienced therapy throughout my life, throughout, let's see, I saw a child psychologist, I experienced um, therapy in my teenage years and then in my 20s and it was just consistent for me and I felt as though there was much that I got out of it and I think it helped me transition into kind of really figuring out my purpose and how I want to show up and be accessible to people that look like me right um, throughout my experiences I had one black therapist <laughs> and this person was a cisgender therapist but this person kind of got it right. And I realized that, you know, representation and having therapists that look like you that come from the community you come from, it's very, very far and few between. Um, and they have been so instrumental in my own mental health that I said, you know what, that's my purpose. Mm. So it was from your own discovery, like, okay, well, this is what I experienced. And this is what I get out of therapy. But from the representation standpoint, you want to make sure that you can show be present for other people mm -hmm. that, you know, may need somebody that looks like you are from the backgrounds or have dealt with the same struggles you've dealt with. And, and then also, you know, working as, because you're not only as a therapist, as, as a social worker, there's a very much an overrepresentation of white women in the field. And so having interactions with those systems, I rarely came across Black male therapists or Black queer therapists and or black queer social workers or black male social workers so for me it was also yeah it was very much so the representation and the idea of having people from the community serve the community okay respect i mean listen <laughs> i think the craziest thing is just for me uh, finding my own therapy journey is that when this whole thing started a year ago i, I literally to the date, I started therapy a year ago. Like as of today, I started therapy a year ago. Okay, okay. Um, I, have, I have since made it to a point where, not that it's not needed anymore, because I think that's the biggest uh, misconception that once you go to therapy, you're fixed. It's like, no, you don't fix. You just, <laughs> you have better use of the tool. Yes, you move on to the next part of the healing, right? Right, exactly. And, um, you know, for me, I gave myself that as a birthday gift uh, last year. But since I found that I've seen so much clarity in myself in terms of what I will and will not allow, um, how I use my words with people. Um, mm -hmm. And the, 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 the crazy part about it is before we even, before I started that, I mean, we started the podcast. So it was all about, you know, making sure black, our, our people had a safe space to speak in you know, try to be inclusive as possible and, you know, how to be 
empathetic to all different types of black men. But one of the things I realized is that I don't know all black men. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't advocate for all the people I have not met. I can only speak to my experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, I had a conversation. I remember this, like it was uh, absolutely correct. And this is where I, I really wanted to reach out to you because I think it was 2010 or something like that. I don't forget the exact year, but um, <laughs> I remember in like 2010, one of my tutors when it became a good friend of mine um, was gay. And <laughs> I remember, I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I remember him really putting it per, to a perspective that I had to check myself on. <laughs> it was basically like, even if, <laughs> even if you were gay or bi, you wouldn't even be my type. And I felt the way I was sitting there like, damn, wait a minute. I'm an attractive guy, you know what I'm saying? I think it comes from that that, that masculinity standpoint of like, I can the have world, any girl I want world, because I am The God. world is yours and you can have it all, right? Mm -hmm. The world is yours and everything in it. It's out there, get on the ground and get it. Hey, shout out to you. But, <laughs> That's not the case. And I, I think that contributes to a lot of the toxic masculinity that we deal with, um, especially when it comes to homophobia. So I guess we'll continue that path. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer, <laughs> but have you just as a black man in general had to address black male homophobia? Of course. Um, it's 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 interesting you say that, right? <laughs> of course, right? I want to make sure that we have these discussions <laughs> to break down that narrative of that because black male homophobia is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. In case you it's a know. real, real, real thing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm an openly gay man, right? So I've been I've been in this in this world my entire life, right? So like I've experienced homophobia, bullying, discrimination. Um, violence due to my sexuality so yes I have experienced it and um, it's damaging right it's really damaging because what it does is it teaches especially when it comes to youth that there's no space for them it takes me to this space in which I don't know if you guys are on like Twitter because you know black Twitter is a whole movement right yeah but the video that's circulating of that young man who in Atlanta who was getting hit by his family he had to be no more than like nine years old and they were videotaping him being hit by his father and his mother and other family members were bullying him hitting him because he was gay and then the video circulated right but can you imagine being a youth experiencing that type of bullying and then witnessing that type of bullying in social media and how isolating that is and how that can lead to depression and anxiety and that traumatic experience as a, as a queer youth, right? That's much like my experience. And there's many, many other youth have experienced that as well too. So it's very, very damaging and harmful, the type of, um, and I wanna say toxic masculinity is when it becomes 
harmful and hurtful, right? And to experience that type of homophobia because of that toxic masculinity, right? And how damaging it is when we don't have these conversations, right? We're not addressing it. It leads to a whole community of, of Black folks out here who are suffering, you know, because of homophobia and transphobia. Mm. So you and I want to make sure I got this right. So you said that that is a journey that you are familiar with in terms of that bullying piece. Yeah. Did you whip that ass? <laughs> I got into several, right? <laughs> At the same time, you know, but there was there's different factors that uh, that helped me, right? right? Because I had a supportive family, I had supportive friends, I had supportive educators and administrators, um, I had supportive community organizations I was a part of that were inclusive. So I had a lot of more protective factors than some people, right? And so that's also an indicator mm -hmm. of you know, some of the resiliency that happens for LGBTQI2 plus youth, right? Like what is their, what is their support system look like when they experience these type, this type of homophobic or transphobic bullying? You know, I can only speak to just being young black and being bullied in general. So like my experience obviously is like one layer less, but like growing up, grew up in, did you grow up in the inner city of Detroit or? Sure did, seven mile. Seven mile away, east side, west side. Wyoming. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> west side, west side of LA, ladies and gentlemen. We have a west side of LA. <laughs> <laughs> my Wyoming is not safe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> However, Mary Girl is dope. That's, that's right. That's right about the beauty supply store that got uh, Rick James on the side, right? <laughs> and Luke <laughs> beauty supply store in Wyoming got Rick James. On. <laughs> All that. I want some Louis Deli right damn now. Anyway, um, <laughs> so just growing up in the city of Detroit, you know, you already experienced that because you deal with hyper-masculinity all everywhere around you. You know, everybody got to, you know, inner city, you got to be a certain demeanor just to survive and all that other stuff like that. You don't really get to be your best black boy joy self, if you will. Um, so I can only imagine the extra layer that comes with, you know, wanting to be out, you know what I'm saying? If, you know, for, you know, black men, it's like, I may like guys. Mm -hmm. but I can't tell my friends at school because, or people I think my friends at school because now they're going to judge me and isolate me, right? So, you know, I, I, I guess the question is, you know, what advice would you give to your younger self mm -hmm. in terms of dealing with that, like that Ooh. coming out, that just being your best genius self? Like, what advice would you give that younger version of you right now? Hmm. I just had therapy the other day. Um, let me think, what would I give my what would I give my younger self? Um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be you and then show up and be you. And I think that because of witnessing the type of bullying and violence that I did witness, I was kind of tethered and I mean I kind of I was kind of um, yeah, I kind of kind of held back some a little bit about my openness about who I was until I became like a 16, 17 years old. And I think that what advice I would give my younger self is to stand in who I am a little bit younger, um, be more vocal, 
um, and to really lean into my family, mm. who was extremely, extremely important for me, right? I would say that I had a very, um, heard this use, a uh, non-traditional coming out story, especially when it comes to the queer mm. black community, right? Like my parents were like, okay, and so what's next, right? Like it was just very much so matter of fact, we don't care, we love you, we support you, right? And so um, I was very, very grateful for how I was received by my entire family. Um, and so had I known that I would be received that way a lot earlier, a lot younger, then I probably would have been more shown up as my whole self. How many times do you think you had to reassure yourself? I guess. Um, mm. Reassure myself and uh, from what length? In terms of getting that advice to your younger self, like how many times or how often do you think you would have to reassure yourself of that same advice? Um, probably often. <laughs> probably often, right? Because when you're young, you're still you're still impressionable. There's a lot of external stimulus and you're still trying to figure out what's safe in the environment, right? Um, also, another factor that I didn't have growing up is I didn't have this kind of proliferation of visible Black queer relationships and people that we have right now, right? And so there wasn't an idea for me to turn on the television and see a representation of someone that looked like me, you know, being openly Black and queer, right? Um, being openly Black, black and gender queer. And so that wasn't like that. I was born in 1980, right? And so I'm 40 this year, right? And so I think that also would have contributed to me being more um, reassured as a younger person if I saw that type of representation and that was a conversation and a dialogue that we had in my home, right? Mm. That's deep. You said three times a day, ladies and gentlemen. I would just talk to myself all damn day. <laughs> <laughs> be like that. No, you answered my question that I was going to ask, though. That I was going to ask, you know, how do you, because I know you said like you didn't um, necessarily feel comfortable, you know, early on, you know, coming to your parents and let them know this is who you are now. But I think you answered that when you were saying like, you didn't have like, you know, that being seen on television at the time and things of that nature. Um, so I guess like my, my, my next question would be I know we touched on it earlier when Richard spoke about, you know, how, you know, we grew up in Detroit and, um, we're raised a certain way to have certain beliefs. Me, myself, I grew up in a church, so it was always condemned against, you know, homosexuality. And then when I turned 18, I started thinking for myself, was able to, you know, actually meet people at the university and see that everybody is diverse. And, um, I guess like, I don't, I don't want to say it like, you know, kind of like that white person coming to the black person, like, you know, Hey, how can we help? But like, how can we turn, you know, the homophobia into allyship like how can we work to you know be you know that that bridge that you all um may want us to be um i think like like this right this the podcast right this topic just like having the conversation having a dialogue um being willing to do your own individual work right you know um and i think that's how you initially show up right I hate that word ally. <laughs> I do. Because everyone uses the word ally, right? And it's like, okay, 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 okay. right? But like, really just, and just showing up, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what real allyism is, right? Really, it's not, I'm an ally, I'm a safe place. No, how are you a safe place? How are you showing up and advocating, right? 
allies don't walk around and say they're allies. That's just mm-hmm. my soapbox. But, you know, um, just, just showing up, being available, mm-hmm. having a dialogue, challenging. Um, I think Richard brought up when, you know, behind closed doors, how are you addressing and advocating for the community? Are you having those difficult conversations with your boys? You know what I'm saying? When there's those toxic masculine locker room mm-hmm. talk or whatever kind of talk mm-hmm. that happens that can be sexist and homophobic, are you objecting, right? Or do you fall in line just to, just to protect your own safety, right? Like that's what's showing up there. Right. Okay. You know, you okay. brought up a very solid point. Um, I want to add two things to this. Um, there was a recent post on social media, um, and I can admit this, I'm in this fraternity, I love my fraternity to death. Um, I think that for people in fraternities and sororities can be problematic in their behaviors and judgment of people. And I can say that because I'm in it, right? There was an image of a young law school graduate out of the state of Wisconsin. Um, Mm. Names, I won't even do that because whatever. But what I will say is that um, he was celebrating. He had, um, and this full circle, I promise, this is great. This is, it actually was a backyard moment where people was just like, oh, I'm sorry. But like, uh, you know, if you're in a fraternity or in an organization, the likelihood is if you're involved, you'll get to know people out not just in your circle, but outside of other states and even other countries, right? And so uh, the conversation came up within some some of my frat brothers and they mentioned about, hey, y'all see uh, my man's with the suit on, with the heels on. And I was just looking. And at first I was gonna address it, but I wanted to do a pulse check of the room. I was, I was watching the room, right? It's, it's started didn't group me, right? I didn't say nothing to group me. And then it was like, yeah, you just you can't do that to the frat because you know that's it's not it's not about that, blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay, I mean, I, I I see where you're going. I think you're going to buy it the wrong way. Um, so I remember we ended up having a basically a kicking session in my backyard and the conversation came up again. And it was just like, you know, black man suit with heels on. I said, okay, so I'm going to ask you the question. What's wrong with that? Because men are not supposed to do that. I was like, what type of men? You got to be specific. I mean, this is a black man wearing heels, right? And, <laughs> and this wasn't even a joke. I, I remember saying, I was like, at the end of the day, here's the thing. I know the chapter he was initiated at. Mm-hmm. I know his profiles. We family. He drove from Wisconsin to Detroit to come to my bachelor party. Not the guy, but like one of his profiles, right? Mm-hmm. I rock with that chapter heavy, they're my peoples. So you talk about them, you talk about my peoples. Right. You gotta read the room and know who you're talking to because at the end of the day, you never know what spaces you're walking into and speaking about. I'm gonna start there. <laughs> but on top of that, one of the comments I did make and I stand behind this and I slid in his DMs after and said this personally, so I have no problem with it. I said, the only issue I have with that young man, or whatever pronoun he goes by, is that I was mad at the ugliness of the hill. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you just graduated law school, you should have some nice heels on. 
<laughs> if you just graduated law, baby boy, listen, I need you to come through with the red bottoms on that thing. I need you to let these mother effers know <laughs> how you stepping into the courtroom or into your office or at that law firm. Don't give me these ugly, like, payless looking shoes. I didn't like them. If my wife bought those shoes, I'd be like, baby. Take them back. We're <laughs> going back, right? You just graduated law school. That was my concern. And I said mm-hmm. that to my frat brothers out from my chapter in my backyard. I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, the issue is not the fact that they wore heels. The fact that they wore them ugly heels. <laughs> Glad they had, had a suit done. But these hills ain't it. You graduated law school. You ain't you ain't just trying to hurry up and get to the whatever, whatever. Right. Come on, man. The shoe, the the uh, the, the clothes toe shoes you had on was dope. You know what I'm saying? It was cool. You know what I'm saying? You had the full suit with the shoes on, you know, you had you had your classic man on. But then when you switch the heel, I'm like, no, 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 that's a horrible switch up. You ever seen like those Instagram videos where mm-hmm. like you know the bust around touch it joint be on there? And then it flips all different scenes of different outfits. I was like, that wouldn't have been the outfit, bro. Like, that was a blooper. Don't do that. No more. <laughs> I have talked to this gentleman. I have gave him praise on his degree. This is full disclaimer. I am not a basher. I gave him praise on his degree. I stand by that, man. I'm not an ally. I just understand. I love all black men. That's just it. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends is gay. And he talks about his lover to me at times. We laugh and talk about it. Ask if you got the cheeks. I am that friend. <laughs> and so I think that that behavior <laughs> needs to be replicated amongst our community. You, we really have, when we say, like, I don't, I, I absolutely cringe when, mm-hmm. probably tell, I, <laughs> I absolutely cringe when people say, I'm not racist, I love black people. Yeah, if you don't, dog, dog. <laughs> That's one of them. Right. So the same energy, right? It's like, I'm not homophobic. I love gay people. It's like, does that shit matter? <laughs> like at the end of the day, does that, does that statement really need to be said? I would feel more comfortable making them feel uncomfortable about the statements that they had made in that space. That's how I show allyship for those that want to use that word. But I think it just comes from that behavior of just really, you know, if you say you're your brother's keeper, and I'm my brother's keeper, regardless of, you know, where they lay and play at. Yeah, regardless of everything. Irregardlessly. Right? Ir- yes. <laughs> I don't think you can find it in the dictionary either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in the words of Tabitha Brown, I'm going to pray for you and keep you. I hope I hope you all the success in healing your because okay. toxic masculinity don't they don't have space here. And you know, I hope you have a good day. And if you don't have a good day, don't you go around messing up with nobody else's. Right. Period. So that's what I have to say about allyship. But um it it, it would be a, a bad question to ask uh how I, I guess it'd be a good question to ask then. How do you make other people, not make other people. I guess the question is, how do you help encourage that behavior amongst, you know, our fellow like 
mm-hmm. heterosexual like male counterparts, like our our friends, our our social circles, like you know, has- you don't want to yes. just you don't want to mm-hmm. just throw it in there and be like, hey, listen, advocate for gay people, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, do you just stand ready, ready to back? Like this com- this this conversation come up from swinging at it. Or like, you know, like how do you, I guess, shift that narrative in most your inner circles that may be, or may have expressed moments of like homo, like homophobia, if you will. Hmm. So I I, I have suggestions, but I have suggestions that somebody who's queer that may be helpful for somebody who is not or who is cisgender, but it's different for me, right? So what I would suggest is when those conversations come up, not like I said, not shying away from them. And also, how can I put it? I don't, it's kind of like Facebook battling, right? I don't go to every argument on Facebook I'm not stepping into. Because sometimes I don't have to step into the argument. Sometimes I don't have to show up and show out every single time. I don't have the energy. Pick and choose when you feel like, when it's going to be the most appropriate way to you to interject, right? But the idea behind it is to shift attitude. There needs to be a, a, a social and cultural shift, right? And it does happen on the individual level. And at the same time, every moment is not that moment, right? And every interaction is not that interaction. And sometimes people have to be willing to open up their minds and their hearts to be intentional about their acceptance, right? So it's kind of like, how do we, how do you engage in teaching other Black men to have empathy for queer Black men, right? Right. And so that empathy piece takes time. Right. And so that continue that continued intervention of conversation, dialogue, teaching, that can be helpful. But those people have to be receptive to want to get to learn it and know it and understand it and be inclusive and mindful. Right. And so just as much as energy as you put into it or can put into into um, in building that relationship and, and helping shape and evolve people's understanding, they also have to be willing to, to do the work and be intentional, too. Mm. So I hope that gives you a little bit. I hope I answered that. Cool. I think you answered it well. I just hope the people at home listening are like got the Q-tips, getting that wax out, listening to what's happening right here, because I think that's such an important thing when it comes to, you know, we talked about it even earlier, just hinting at this. You know, I, I hate when, you know, organizations, stores. I hate when society just tries to capitalize on the moments in terms of like, you know, like I said, just cause it's a black history month don't mean you need to, uh, you know, scream all, you know, black lives matter. And then come March 1st, all, all lives matter again. It's like, mm-hmm. no black lives still can matter, bro. Like mm-hmm. you didn't have to do that shit. Like you didn't even have to switch that narrative right then and there. Like that didn't even need to be happening. <laughs> Same thing with June 1st through July 1st. Like, yes, like, you know, <laughs> queer lives matter. I get it. It does. It really does. But don't be sitting here talking about in July 1st. Yeah, it matters. But, like, no, 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 we don't need buts. <laughs> we don't need it. Like, it's not needed at all. There's no need to insert a butt. Like, only time you should be inserting the butt, you're trying to get the butt just being real so like at the end of the day like don't i just i I, it really bothers me that members of my fellow black community 
you know, has homophobia in it because at the same time, if you enter uh, your suburbia spaces, you know, you want people to accept you for you. You're black. Like you want people to see regardless of the hair you wear or the J's you got on or, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't want to necessarily, you don't need to necessarily conform to that space to be a part of that space. So it's not being expected of you to walk into a room with rainbow t-shirts on like, look at me, I'm an ally. Truth be told, I be wanting no uh, Air Max from Pride Month because them mugs be fired. I'm like, bro, they don't make these fire Air Max for anybody else. <laughs> this some, I want them, damn it. <laughs> All my shoes is outrageous. You see my closet, you'd be like, yeah, you just you just buy any type of shoe. I'm like, no, I buy the shoes. That ain't nobody thinking about because them mugs is fire to me. My personality is just that way. Uh, but that's a tangent. Let's jump back to the matter at hand. Um, I think we've had a healthy discussion in terms of, you know, really understanding what some of those, you know, I guess sore spots are. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had to cut ties with some spaces because of homophobia as a therapist and as just a, a, a male living in society? Yes, I have. And I've had how? To, and how? <laughs> um, I've cut ties with organizations. I've cut ties with with organizations that have I'm connected to as a black social worker, right? Because I don't feel that they have done enough to really show up for the black queer community, right? And they've remained silent and with minimal minimal kind of dialogue about black queer experience right and so i've i've cut ties with professional organizations um universities um and i haven't had to cut ties with family but i do I, I at this point at this particular point throughout my journey you know um i can't be in a space that is not going to promote my purpose right and so mm -hmm. I, I do, if, it's, if, if organization or space is not one that's, that is inclusive or affirming of who I am and my spaces and my identities, I, I just can't, I can't roll with you. Mm. And it's just simple as that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm just as well as, you know, we navigate this the spaces being black, right? Like I navigate spaces being black and queer and both of those identities are mm -hmm. equally as important to me because they both show up in the space right and so my safety is important and if I can't be in this space and feel grounded and safe and secure here then it's not for me that's it mm. <laughs> what more do we need to say <laughs> I mean <laughs> why not right I mean and that's what we want to always be about is that we know that one we know black spaces are sacred spaces because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> words of the late Paul Mooney, y'all gonna get mad when I say this because it's <laughs> not a G-rated podcast by any means of the nature. This is the realest podcast you can listen to. We'll talk about black men, mental health, all that good stuff. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a nigga. 
but nobody wanted an experience. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and you know and that's and it's interesting you say that, right? Because everybody wants it's so funny you mentioned of this capitalism that comes along with Pride Month, right? Yes. Like everybody wants to put on the Pride shoes and wear the rainbow during the and like I'm an ally. But when you get embashed or you get discriminated against or you have to fight for your right to even to have a, a, a recognized union, then you don't want that queer experience no more, right? When you right. get misgendered or you experience microaggressions or discrimination at, in your workplace because of your gender identity or sexual orientation, you don't want that experience, right? You just want the rainbow and the fun and the pride celebration, right? But there's work behind that that has done this right that is built on the work behind the, the work of black and latina transgender women who were out there on the front lines doing this work right so mm-hmm. you know so to say that is like <coughs> excuse me i say that like this is the experience right you 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 want the pride capitalism but you don't want the we don't want want what comes with it listen i'm gonna just say this I'll fight for the LGBTQ community all day. I just need them Air Max, bro. <laughs> That's it. Jarrell, no. I love shoes to death. Somehow, I, I just send shoes to like my close friends. Be like, what about these? You like these? Not that I'm about to buy them, because Lord knows my wife will beat the brakes off mine. <laughs> so I'm sitting here buying all these shoes. But at the same token, like, I've seen some real fire Air Max pop out during June. I'm like, Damn, I've seen some fire Jordans come out for women, and I'm just like, damn. You know what I'm saying? It, it's similar to me because I've had to fight in these spaces too, in terms of, you know, just standing up for certain things randomly about like the WNBA or women's sports, if you will. Because sometimes, be honest, sometimes I enjoy watching the WNBA games more than I watch the NBA games. And Sometimes it's due to the reason, I can admit this because why not? Sometimes literally because like, <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Sometimes it's literally because like, oh, the same women that, same reason that women watch the NBA at times. Sometimes they legit fans, they like the sport. I love basketball, it's a natural mm-hmm. part of life. Sometimes like, damn, she fine. <laughs> and like, you know what I'm saying? It's okay to have those moments where you like, Okay, I see you shoes. I see you. Dance, you gotta cross over. I see you. You know what I'm saying? So it's absolutely okay to participate in those spaces. You don't have to necessarily lay and play in those spaces. And that's the message I want everybody to understand. Like to be, you know, to truly defend, you know, other cultures, other beliefs, other religions, whatever it may be. You don't have to be a part of those spaces. But if you truly want to embrace the type of safe space, if you will, for, you know, your community, then at least take the time out to understand those spaces, why they are important to others. And, and that's the I, thing. I think that, really- that I think that's how you ultimately build that level of community up. I ain't mean to cut you off, bro. Go ahead. No, no. That was just a really good, like, like that is the key right there, right? Like being that intention, right? really learning and understanding what's appropriate in that space, what's needed in that space, right? And what is the space asking from you, right? Um, but lots of times people show up for the, LGBT, the LGBTQIA plus two plus community and 
They show up in a space thinking that they know what the space needs and what the space wants. Why don't you ask what you can do, right? And just go from there. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, sometimes it's not appropriate to ask what can you do to be a part of, to help with the space. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like Nike, <laughs> do your own research, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. understand the issues, read, read social media, don't scroll past the posts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell, read the comments. They say don't read the comments because it's the most draining and toxic things you can do. But sometimes, if you truly want to know what the issue is, just watch society. Read the comments. Don't like them. Read the comments. <laughs> right. Everything that is right and wrong with society, in most cases. We in the comments. <laughs> That's it. With that being said, it is my favorite part of the show. Not the end per se, but this is where we really get to know who Chris is. How do we do that? It is wild card time, ladies and gentlemen. It is wild card. Yeah. (laughs) Am I supposed to answer these questions honestly or like I'm a professional? (laughs) Is the first answer that you think of at the drop of a dime when you hear the question. And we, the world just want to know who you are. And we'll get to all the other stuff of how to get to know you, who you are in a professional stance, but we want to know who Chris is. And unfortunately, he's from Seven Mile, Wyoming, ladies and gentlemen. So he may wear Black Air Force Ones and he might beat your ass. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> We're going to assume that everyone has a. A black pair was ones, but anyway. So, Jarrell, I'm going to ask you, per usual, let me know when you're ready to throw 60 seconds on the clock at the top of when you're ready, and we're gonna get into this thing. Are you ready, Chris? Um, I, 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 I am ready. <laughs> Stay ready. You ain't gotta get ready, right? You tell me when to go. That's where I'm going. All right, go. Hip hop, R and B, hip hop. Favorite hip hop artist, Foxy Brown. Favorite R and B artist. Oh, favorite R and B artist, Mariah Carey. Beyonce. Mariah Carey. Fair. Favorite (laughs) food to eat. Oh, Mr. Kebab. Mm. Favorite food to eat that you cook? Oh, roasted sweet potatoes with curry and cinnamon. Wait a minute, I'm coming over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> favorite, uh, favorite type of shoes? Oh, I love classic Gucci loafers, like the old penny loafer kind of with a little tassel on them. I love those. Favorite pair of shoes that you own? Those. If you can travel anywhere in the world after this panorama is <laughs> over, where would it be? Cape Town. Cape Town. <laughs> that was a quick I'll 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I need to up the time next time, but I think I ran out of questions. And my last question is your views on jerk chicken are? Where can I get more? My man. <laughs> You are officially in the mental Where can I get some more jerk chicken? Because anybody that's a part of the mental community 
do love jerk chicken. We didn't let any of our past guests know that, but they all tend to love jerk chicken, so it worked out. Doesn't like if you don't like jerk trick chicken, I can't trust you. Yeah, like, I can't be trusted. I don't know yeah. if you. <laughs> I know this one guy. He always making jerk chicken. He even made some and then didn't give me none. I don't know who it is, so we're gonna fight him later. All I know is Jarrell, ladies and gentlemen, is the jerk chicken connoisseur. He loves all things jerk chicken. And <laughs> that is part of the reason why our relationship has grown and flourished into what we have now. Part of the reason, like part of the reason I am not a jerk chicken moocher, even though the podcast is <laughs> differently. So with that being said, uh, Brother, we love you. I appreciate you hopping on this thing with us, man. You guys, thank y'all for having me. Drew, I got a question. Thank where do you, you get where's the best jerk jerk chicken, Jarrell, that you get your jerk chicken from? At his house. Oh, uh, you cook it yourself? I, I I cook it, but if I wasn't cooking it, I would probably go to Caribbean Kitchen on Six Mile and uh the Lodge. Okay. What's you it's like in Oda Street? It's like six mile. Between Elijah and uh, Myers, and Ro- or yeah. between Myers and Wyoming. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. that's where I would go. I I usually get the goat there though. I usually get the curry goat more than jerk chicken from there though. Okay. Okay, maybe it was the rice and peas I didn't like, but the chicken was cool. You know what I'm saying? I personally think Jarrell makes it better, but he's usually more of a dry situation after he grills it and it's just making. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because. I say it's still my birthday month, so. <laughs> anyway, that's me being hyperly aggressive. Chris, if people want to reach out to you just as a person and or about the services you provide for us, therapy, social work, things of that nature, how can people find you? Um, you can find me at liberating-wellness.com. And I'm also on Psychology Today. Um, my full name is Christopher Edgar Smith. And you can just Google my name and I will come up on psychology today. I am accepting new clients and I do do consultation. And I am also a clinical certified clinical supervisor. So dope. Are you open to doing in-person therapy sessions these days because of the panorama or? I am open. The pan- right. I call it, I call it a Pellegrino. So yes, it's Pellegrino. <laughs> I call it a Pellegrino. You know, I'm queer, so we gotta little put a little twist. I love it. San Pellegrinos, bro. It, like Pellegrino, right? <laughs> I'm blood orange boys be popping. I, I miss them. The they have a prickly pear too. That's good. So during yep. this during this Pellegrino, yes, I am seeing some clients in person. Um, I'm right now just currently transferring to another office space. So in the interim, but yes, I am able to see people in person that are fully vaccinated. Perfect, cool. Well, again, brother, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, you are invited to any cookout that I have in real life. And um, <laughs> that part. So with that being said, we have reached the end of episode 69, sure. how ironic, of the Mental Matters podcast. Uh, again, you can find us in these internet streets on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And our website is www.mentalmatterspod.com. Or you can email us if you want to be a guest, know people that want to be a guest, submit letters, your experiences as a Black man, all that good stuff at mentalmatterspodcast at gmail.com. So, 
that being said, Jarrell, do you have anything before we hit these streets, man? Continue to be safe and have fun this summer. I'm having fun, so. That part. I cannot wait to drink them Crown Royal joints that you got me for my birthday. I swear Jarrell gives like the <laughs> best gifts. I be trying to one-up him, and then the next year he'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like this joint right here actually came from Jarrell. So, <laughs> I appreciate you. I love you, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Love you too. <laughs> this is a wrap. We will talk to y'all later. Bye.